And when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Around the NFL and making his NFL debut and pushing the extra point wide right is Chris Nagar. Mayfield keeps, launches down the middle, and he is picked. Third down and 19. Mayfield throws high and picked. Interception in that 17 yarder to Rashard Higgins, his best throw of the game. Mayfield throws and he's picked for the third time. Rasul Douglas. a minute away from their 12th win of the year. Well, I think he got away with one. There was definitely a hug or a tug and a pull when Peoples-Jones was coming out of that break at the top of the route. You can see he's looking for... I thought defense played great. I thought our skill guys played well. Um, offensive line, same thing. And backs, obviously, running their tails off. So that's why it's frustrating for me. Is uh, Like I said, I heard this team. I mean, there's no, there's no excuse. Um, that is what it is. to a non-victory edition here of the Feeling Dangerous podcast. I am Tyler Johnson, joined by a full crew this evening, Zach DeFranco and Jack Robinson. Gentlemen, you guys had a, had a Merry Christmas overall. How you guys doing? Uh, Doing pretty good. Could be doing better. Uh, Could be doing way better. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just today, Ricky Rubio's out for the rest of the season, so, you know, it's already a hard day, but... Also, following the the Browns' performance, it's uh, it hasn't been the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was actually having a decent Christmas until four o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> same, same here. And of course, uh, the, this episode of the Feeling Dangerous podcast is brought to you by Jack Scott of Renewal by Anderson. They've been Ohio's window and patio door experts for over 117 years, and they earned the JD Power Award for customer satisfaction. That's just another reason to call Jack today at four four zero two two six six two two four. That's 440-226-6224. Gentlemen, it was not such such a Merry Christmas for Browns fans and uh, overall just the Browns in general as they went up to Lambeau Field. Kind of as expected, they did lose to the Green Bay Packers, but it was a lot closer, I think, that Jack, I know a lot closer than you and I thought. And probably a lot of people thought overall the Browns losing to the Packers 24-22 on Christmas Day. First off, uh, Jack, just your couple takeaways that you have for the game before we dive into the offense this evening that that was a winnable game and that was a game that we probably should have won uh i think that if any every everyone can look at that game and say that we possibly could have won that game by double digits i i think that we could have easily won that game by double digits that was a complete failure of the offense and really that was probably ba- one of baker's worst games as a brown it probably was his worst game that's one of the first games of his career dude. yeah that was it was, it was the worst. It was the worst game of his career. I don't think there's any sugarcoating it. But Zach, mm-hmm. some of your t- some of your takeaways here before we dive into the offense. I mean, the defense side of the ball first. I don't want to say we could have won by double digits, but I do want to say like 
yes, if Baker does not turn the ball over three times in the first half, it, it, that that game is anyone's game. Like they, I disagree. They did Zach. not. I disagree. I, I don't know. I think I don't know. No. You want to know why? You want to know <laughs> why? Every single touchdown that the Packers scored was off of a Baker Mayfield interception. Yeah, exactly. Let's say he only throws two interceptions. They only score 14 points. Actually, they only score 17 points because they only scored two times on two Baker Mayfield interceptions and one field goal. After that, they got shut out the rest of the game. Yeah, the whole are second half they scored, you what, three points? That, yeah, are you telling me that that we wouldn't have scored on both of those two possessions that we were already driving down the field? See, that, that, that you're very like, right because we were going to go up two possessions if we would have scored, but of course, you know, everyone wants to take it as what they want. Like, Baker I'm obviously saying, saw he saw a free play yeah. with DPJ downfield. He probably thought he was going to get the flag. I, I truly, I truly think that you can never put your trust into the NFL refs. I don't know if any team has taken that this year, but you cannot go. Okay, the refs are going to help me out here. That's, that's just not going to happen. That was a dumb play, regardless. You basically punted the ball back to him on first and ten. Yeah, it was stupid. I completely agree. There's a lot to get into. We're going to get on into the defensive side of the ball first because. They've played really well these last couple weeks. And, Jack, you're the Joe Woods critic. You have been all season, but this Browns defense has been the consistent part for this team the second half of the year. So I just want you to talk about the Browns defense a little bit because, to me, you shut down Aaron Rodgers that second half. You held Green Bay to three points. I I didn't uh, – true to be honest, I thought we were going to give up over 30 points in this game. And Joe Woods had a great game plan, and the Browns defense looked really solid, missing a lot of key players on Saturday. What were your thoughts on the defense's performance? Oh, no, I thought the defense did actually way, way, way better than I think anyone could have expected. There were obviously some plays where, you know, Devontae Adams found his found his way open. I think that it was questionable put, questionable putting Richard LeCount on him in the red zone a couple of times. That was, that was strange. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is that, I mean – I couldn't really blame them because, I mean, they were essentially forced to play uh, half field against one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And they did a, a great job when all of a sudden they they had uh, him locked down to his 25 yard line. I mean, he barely even got even close to the red zone after uh, after the after the first half. I mean, I can't really blame them for anything. I mean, Devontae Adams was basically shut down the entire rest of the game after the after his explosive first half. Uh Aaron Jones did nothing. Uh, they did everything that we wanted them to do, which is basically take away Aaron Rodgers' weapons and force them to have to give us back the ball. But unfortunately, uh, you can't account for the fact that they also had a huge issue with just them having to defend half the field because they were basically being set up at their own 40-yard line. So I, I'm not going to blame this loss on the defense at all. They got you the last stop with two minutes left. I mean, what else can you really ask of them? Yeah, yeah, Zach, Zach, your thoughts on defense's performance, because it, it looks like they've been the consistent part of this team really ever since that Chargers game. I, I mean, this defense has looked really good. You could argue New yeah. England, but that was a mess all the way around. The defense mm -hmm. has really put together here this last second half of the year and been overall a top five defense. Yeah, no, I, I truly believe this. This defense is something I didn't expect it to even come together at all this year, to be honest with you, with early on in the season. But this back half of the season, maybe even sooner, one of the best defenses in the league. I mean, fast plays downhill. We were missing Clowney still. We're missing a lot of players, so it, it's really fun to watch. But that offense, man, they need to help them out. You, you cannot put your defenses in situations where they get you up. You know, they get you back on the field, and the next thing you know, they're right back on a play later. You cannot do that kind of stuff in the NFL, especially against Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, how would you guys feel about how they – 
prepared for Devontae Adams. I, you're not going to stop Devontae Adams. But it looks like in that second half, they were able to contain him a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but my well, my one thing was like it looked like a lot in the first half. It was not a I mean, I've watched highlights where it was Denzel Ward, but it seemed like Denzel Ward was not the guy keying in on him. It was like mm-hmm. Denzel Ward on uh, Lazard. I don't yeah. understand that at all. Like, I really want to see Denzel Ward always be covering the best wide receiver, and he is the, probably one of their best targets. I mean, the only target on their team, <laughs> not just their best target, the only target on their team. Lazard is good, but I don't know. I saw a lot of Greedy Williams on Devontae Adams, and it just wasn't it wasn't going pretty well. And Greedy Williams had... The, the worst grade on the Browns defense all day. PFF grade. Yeah. So that one play wasn't want- even on him. That one play wasn't the, the one that Lazard catch over the shoulder. That was not even on Greedy Williams. There's nothing you can do about that. No, that's just an Aaron no. Rodgers perfect pass. Like yeah. it's it's a drop. But you can't like defend it. It's a one foot window. There's literally no way to defend it. On it's mm-hmm. just, I mean, good offense will always beat good defense. It, it does, there's nothing you can do about it. Exactly. And I want to go into some PFF grades here that we have for the Browns defense. Anthony Walker. Had a 87 grade, a very solid job by him. MJ Stewart, an 81.2. Sione Takitaki, a 79.4. Grant Delpit, a 74.1. Malcolm Smith, a 74. Um, Afedi Adengbo had a 72.8. Miles Garrett, a 71.9, even though he was really battling injury. And Denzel Ward had a 69.6. So out of those guys, I think the guy that stands out for me is Anthony Walker. I don't know about you guys. I mean, yeah. coming off the COVID list, he made a huge impact for this team. Talk about just Anthony Walker's <laughs> effect on this defense, because it seems like some weeks he's having a really good effect. Other times he's really struggling. So how do you feel about our starting linebacker, Anthony Walker and uh, JOK? Well, Anthony Walker did a really good job of just kind of being really disruptive in the middle. I mean, he was basically taking a- away a lot of those easy passes across the middle. He was getting pressure off the edge when we did blitz. The very few times we blitz, he was actually getting a, a like pretty decent pressure. He was shutting down uh, Aaron Jones and those uh, those flat passes. So, I mean, he was he he just made instant impact. And I mean, he's the mm-hmm. kind of guy that we really really needed. Him and J- he he kind of fulfilled the role that we all thought JOK was going to kind of be dominant dominating this game uh but he came in he, he played really well he basically did everything you asked of him and I mean he he shut down a couple of those drives really early because I mean there were a couple of the uh, of passes where they were getting really close to the first down marker and he was able to break those up so I mean he did a, just yeah. a fantastic job it really makes you wonder what offenses scheme around on the Browns defense other than Miles Garrett or Clowney because when you go watch when you go back and watch the film you, you you look and you see the most unblockable person on our defense is JOK I didn't mm-hmm. even see a standout play by Anthony Walker other than like, you know, him being where he needs to be at certain points of time. But when you come to JOK, like you you can see offensive linemen, tight ends, they make sure they are going, they're running straight for him. They're not even worried about helping out on the defensive lineman. They're running straight for JOK and he still cannot be blocked. So it really makes you wonder like, wh- like what's going on? Like why are the grades are certain ways? Like we talked about before the show started, Tyler, like why is PFF mm-hmm. grade and JOK so low? I don't know, man. I, I don't either. Anthony Walker, to me, I, I thought was – he was really the tone setter for this Browns defense. He played really solid, played 43 total snaps. But every time he was out there, it seemed like he was making a play. It's the type mm-hmm. of guy – like, he's that leader on defense. And that's why I know we talked about in the offseason when the Browns signed him, Darius Leonard from the Colts was pretty upset that they lost yeah, him. He was mad. Because yeah. he's just that type of leader. And so – but the thing about JOK I don't get, he had six total tackles in this game. Three solos, he always seemed to be everywhere in the field. We need to what we need to do is I need to figure out with PFF how they grade defensive players. Cause I thought JOK was probably the most impactful 
and yet yeah. he had a very middle of the road grade at a 53.1. So I'm not quite sure how they grade that out there. A guy I want to talk to you guys about because this is a little discouraging um, because he's not putting consistent F like back-to-back solid games out there. And that's Greedy Williams. So, Zach, how are you feeling about Greedy's perform- performance overall this season? Uh, he graded out against the Packers at 28.5, which is the lowest. It, it's it's a problem. I mean, it looks like we're going to get yeah. some back here this week. But mm. do you think Greedy is starting to wear down a little bit after not playing last year? What do you think is going on with Greedy Williams? I have no idea. I knew coming into the league his only problem they said was tackling. And then all of a sudden we saw he could tackle his first year in Cleveland. But this year it just looks like – he doesn't even really want to be out there playing. You know, it's like as soon as we drafted Newsome, he was just like, okay, maybe my time's coming to an end. I don't know what's going on in his head, but yeah, I he, he just like looks like he's getting like re, like worse each week when it comes to coverages and he's just losing the basics as being a cornerback. I mean, thank God we have Newsome coming back. And I want to see Greedy be able to come out and play better because I mean, technically, isn't he still on this rookie deal? Like, yeah, Greedy is still yeah. on a rookie contract. Yeah, that's so, huge. Like you, you want him to be able to come out and be a key part of our defense, especially in the Joe Woods defense. So it just really doesn't make sense to me what's going on with him right now. And it's not yeah, the injury anymore. So it, it's definitely not. So, so Jack, what are your thoughts on Greedy Williams? Because you need him to really be that third corner, that guy who can come in and make a spot start if needed. And he has been very inconsistent this year. We've seen games where he's been one of the top players graded out on PFF in others like this, and he has completely flopped. So what are your thoughts on Greedy Williams? Do you think he's starting to wear down a little bit? I think you used the right word, is that he's inconsistent. I don't know if it's just the matchup dependent. And like, if you, if you put him up against like Devonte Adams, every play, like, is he going to play yeah. as well as if he, as he played last week? Probably not. Sure. I yeah. mean, he's going to, obviously you're going to see some, some holes in his game or just, you know, every, every cornerback seemingly gets exposed by Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I want to hold it entirely against him, but I do think that there might just be some issues considering the fact that he did kind of, you know, miss a huge year of his development because of his, his nerve issues. And I think that he's still trying, Trying to really get back into the feel of it, like handle a whole uh, season schedule. And I mean, especially because because we have a whole extra season now. And I think I think you guys are probably right that when we got Greg Newsom, I think a lot of his role was kind of changed because they they expected him to be the number two corner. And then when he didn't really do that, because obviously he was out for the whole season. Then when Greg Newsom came in, he probably got a lot more of the attention from the defensive coordinators, a lot more of the attention from the coaching staff. And maybe he did feel a little bit, you know, left out. And so maybe that, again, has maybe, you know, just changed the like the way that he uh, approaches the game, a way he prepares. And that could all, you know, lead to him just being inconsistent because we have because, again, we've talked multiple times about how good he's been in multiple games and how sometimes it just seems like he's not really producing. And I'm and I'm. I wonder if, if this is going to be a long-term thing or if this is just, you know, he, once he gets his legs out under him, you know, and with this whole season behind him and then in the off season, if he'll, you know, really come, come out and bloom as a real good number three corner, or if possibly they might look to move him. Yeah. See, that's what I'm starting to wonder about greedy Williams too. I mean, he's still on that rookie contract. There's a team out there that could find him very valuable because right now the Browns, you have Greg Newsom the second, you have A.J. Green, who's also on an undrafted rookie contract that they really like, who's been battling injuries. But A.J. Green's been solid when he's played. You have Troy Hill. I mean, you have guys that are here. And right now, Green doesn't step up his play. He's going to get passed over. I mean, because yeah. the Browns do have talented quarter, 
cornerback. So I'm a little bit worried about Greedy Williams. I'm start, I'm seriously starting to want the inconsistency. It's making me wonder if he's starting to wear down a little bit because of the fact he missed all last year. Because mm-hmm. I because I'm rooting for Greedy, and I remember when we drafted him, I knew the thing that was really that he needed to work on. It was the same thing that they talked about Grant Delpit struggling with in college is tackling. Mm-hmm. And so I'm starting to wonder because, but the one thing greedy was supposed to be good at was coverage. And so hopefully and when he plays this week against Pittsburgh, he'll be able to bounce back. That's if he starts or how much he plays, whatever, but you're just hoping he can bounce back from that because we really need him, especially because you don't know what Troy Hill's situation is right yeah. now. Cause Troy Hill is still banged up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's obviously a rough spot for the defense, but one of the bright spots for me guys, I tweeted this out. I was very impressed with MJ Stewart this weekend. Played 57 snaps. He was playing at strong safety, but they were able to move him around a lot. Yeah. An 81.2, an 81.2 grade. Um, he's only a couple years removed out, out of being a second round pick from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think MJ Stewart's a guy that could could be a long term piece for this defense because Ronnie Harrison's going to be a free agent. So you're going to, I don't know if you're going to bring him back depending on what he wants. How do you guys feel about MJ Stewart in this defense? He's very versatile. You can move him around and seems to be catching his stride here at the end of the season. Yeah. And I, I really love how, like what you said, he's like the versatility of him uh, playing safety, coming down, playing corner. Like that's something you don't really see too much. Like, I mean, obviously you get those freak athletes like JOK who can play linebacker safety and corner, but you don't really see that a lot of someone that's, not even supposed to be a major impact on your defense. So it's a definitely a huge step in the right direction and we'll see where it goes. But I mean, I'm not really too big on his game in Tampa Bay or anything like that, but mm-hmm. he's definitely came here and he's made a solid impact. So I'm, I'm definitely happy to see where he can go to. Yeah. Jack, how do you feel about MJ Stewart possibly being on this defense long-term? He's a guy that uh, you could possibly sign on a decent <laughs> team friendly deal if he keeps producing like this. Yeah, I think I think keeping guys, especially guys who are very versatile and can be used in a lot of different situations, is really is really a good idea. I think just having continuity and and especially having depth is something that we we would absolutely love to have year over year. And you know, MJ Stewart, he's really coming out and showing that he can you know basically fulfill any role that uh, Joe Woods wants to put him in and kind of you know fill in for guys uh, in at a lot of different positions. I think that's really what the, uh, what, you know, Andrew Barry is looking for it when he's looking for players to fill in uh, the roster spots. So I think he has a really good chance of, you know, staying with this team, making an impact going forward and signing a, a, a pretty decent long-term deal with us to ensure that we really just keep his talents on this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, with Ronnie Harrison becoming a free agent, you're either going to have to address it in free agency, you're going to have to bring back MJ Stewart. Possibly the draft, you'll address it. But Joe Woods likes to have three safeties. And I don't yeah. see at this point Ronnie Harrison being back just at the price tag he could be at. So MJ Stewart's a guy you could plug in there. And it's kind of good to know just how versatile of a player he is. I think yeah, that's and very the big, A big thing with Ronnie Harrison, too, to feed off of your point, is his availability, too. It's It's been very iffy the last two it's years. Been, so That's another that's another thing I um, wanted to talk is just overall his – uh, health. Well, I mean, do you bring mm-hmm. back? We'll, we'll get into offseason decisions more, of course, when that time comes. But given just how his season's turned out so far, are you looking to bring back Ronnie Harrison, or or do you think you're going to pass on that one? It depends, because you got to have solid replacements on this defense to replace players. But 
he's just one of those guys that he's like, he's never really there, you know? And when he is, I'm sorry, but he does cause a lot of issues on the field too. He's kind of hot headed. So, I mean, it's not, I don't know if it's someone that really Joe Woods or Andrew Barry, especially wants on his team. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's going to be interesting to see how they move forward with Ronnie Harrison. Last part of the defense I want to get to the main man himself. And that's miles Garrett. He, he graded out uh, birthday boy, for, birthday boy. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday. Um, happy birthday to miles Garrett graded out at a 71.9 battling a groin injury. It was pretty apparent though. that He was not himself. Are, are you Jack? I'll start with you. Are you worried about miles Garrett's health going forward? Cause you're really not going to get a break um, right now. You're fighting for your season. It's quite clear that miles is very much hampered by that groin injury. So are you a little bit worried about miles Garrett going forward? Cause he was asked about by, by Tony Grossi if he would consider sitting out um, in order to get healthy, and he said that's not an option. We're fight, every game's a must win, so you know he's going to be banged up here these next couple games. How do you feel about his health going forward? Uh, I mean, I'm definitely concerned considering that. I mean, we're already pretty shorthanded on defensive tackles, offensive ends, and you know th that just means that he's going to have to play more of the snaps. He's not going to get as much time to rest. There's going to be a lot more focus on him in particular. And we've seen that. I mean, he hasn't recorded a sack in the last two games. Uh, he's been struggling, at least in that regard. And then obviously losing tack and then not having Jadevi on for the last couple of games has obviously increased his workload and, and probably led to that hamstring injury. So yeah, I'm, I'm concerned just because I know that he's probably not going to be able to get a chance to really rest unless he's like, as long as he's capable of playing, they're going to play him and he's going to have very, very heavy minutes just because of how important he is to, to our uh, mm -hmm. entire defense. And I mean, until maybe we get back some more guys and get some depth on the defensive line, I just don't see that really changing. So yeah, I'm concerned. Yeah. And one of the biggest things I've noticed about miles Garrett on the defense is like this defense loves to rest him like four or five plays straight, you know? That's when we had Tack and Clowney that could still go out there with Malik Jackson and stuff like that. Now you're down Tack. You got Porter Gustin. Recently, we have ahead Clowney. It's going to get to the point now where Miles is going to have to probably play in like 98% of his snaps. So yeah, it's exactly. it's going to be tough because Porter Gustin, I mean, good, you know, good big body out there, but he's just really, he's not it. Let's put it that way. He's just not, he's just not anything special. And hopefully getting Clowney back changes a lot. Losing tack is huge. That, that's terrible. It sucks. Cleveland can't have nice things. Miles is going to have to really step up and play through this the next two weeks. And hope, I mean, he wants to, though. He's one of those players. He's one of those star players. He's one of those leaders. So, yeah. Yeah. And with Miles Garrett, this is something that it's going to be beneficial for the Browns in the fact that as long as he's on the field, he's going to have to be accounted for. Doesn't mm -hmm. matter what injury he's battling, teams are going to still have to probably double team him in order to keep him away from the quarterback. Cause he still, I believe had three tackles on Saturday. He just yeah. wasn't really getting, I mean, I think one time he nearly got after Rogers, but Rogers in general is one of the hardest quarterbacks in the NFL to even sack. It's just so, crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, there's not whole, the fact that you were able to hold Aaron Rodgers overall to 202 yards and three touchdowns, you would think normally in that situation, you would win the game. I mean, nine times out of 10, you would. And Aaron Jones, 12 carries for 66 yards. Devontae Adams had 10 catches for 114. But outside of that, the Packers offense really didn't do a whole lot. And something I was wondering, and again, we're going to move on to the offense here in a second, not having Marquez Valdez-Scantling really seemed to affect that Packers offense a little bit. Mm -hmm. They didn't have that. He's their true number two receiver. 
And yeah. it was either Devontae Adams or almost no one else was getting the ball in the passing game. Did you guys feel mm-hmm. that way as well? Yeah, another person that I really was wondering, like, where was he was, I'm not even sure, was A.J. Dillon. He's someone that, you know, he's like a bowling ball out there. So him and, you know, Jones is a pretty decent one-two punch <clears throat> for the Green Bay Packers. But, yeah, going back to their wide receiver situation, Lazard really had to step up a lot. And, I mean, lucky for him and unfortunately for us, he had to go up against Greedy Williams. So he had his chances. But it's just weird seeing it out there, man, like, Aaron Rodgers is just, just different. Like every single pass he throws is just pinpoint accuracy. Like you, you can't coach that. So it's just insane. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. And AJ, like you said, AJ Dillon really didn't have a huge impact in this game. I thought he, he was the guy that was actually going to kill us the most, at least on the mm-hmm. ground. Aaron Jones is good, but I just thought the effectiveness that AJ Dillon could have late in the game would really be a problem. He only had nine carries for 41 yards. So it's yeah, not like he was. He wasn't given the ball a whole lot. And as we're moving on to the offensive side of the ball, guys, if you have any questions, I'm sure a lot of people want to talk about the Browns offense right now. If you guys have any questions, comments, uh, feel free to drop them in the chat. We'll get to as many as we can. It's been the story all season. There's no way to put it. The Browns offense has struggled, to say the least. And they did again on Saturday. Most notably, Baker Mayfield, the Browns quarterback, on Saturday, it was 21 of 36, 202 yards. He had two touchdowns, four interceptions, averaged 6.2 yards per attempt. He had three of those interceptions in the first half. Also, he did not grade out very well. I mean, as you can imagine, he graded out at a 55.9. So, Zach, the floor is yours. We're going to attack the offense overall. But first off, Baker struggled again. This was probably his worst game as a pro. Are you worried about Baker right now? Um, how do you feel about Baker Mayfield going forward? Because he is the big question mark now the rest of the season. We're not going to oh, get man. into poss- – I told um, – we've talked about before, we're not going to get into possible replacements or even talk about that till the season's over because mm. we're still competing for a division title. But how do you feel about Baker Mayfield going forward, especially given that performance we saw on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I was saying earlier, like this is probably the worst performance I've ever seen Baker play in general. And I watched a lot of him in Oklahoma too. I, I mean – Dude, just he was a gunslinger, improvising quarterback. It's just this year, I just I don't even know where to start with the entire offense. Like it's not just Baker, it's not just the fancy's play calling. It's it's everything. Everything looks off. Like that one pick to Jarvis. I'm not sure if you guys notice it, but he like rolled up on his own foot. You know, mm-hmm. he just yeah. it just seems like he lost all confidence in himself. Obviously, it could even be he had a week and a half of practice, but missing practice excuse me but i'm just seriously done making excuses right now man like you got two games you can go win the division baker knows it stefanski knows it. the entire offense knows it this game was terrible just put it behind you as a whole offense you know just put it behind you go out there and you got two division games and you now you can win the division so that's all that should matter to any fan right now jack jack your thoughts on the Browns starting quarterback right now and moving forward the rest of the season I mean, I don't know how how anyone could could really you know make an argument for anybody else. There's the there's there's no there's it, guys. There's two there's two games left of the season at least, and at most there's five. It's not like we're going to make a major quarterback change at this point in the season. It's too late for that. If they were going to do that, they would have done that eight weeks ago or ten weeks ago when he got hurt. Week two, they yeah, should have done like, week two and yeah, shut him down, and then we'd have a whole different situation going on. It's not mm-hmm. going to happen. 
it's very clear that that this is going to be you know our offense moving forward for the next two two weeks at least and you know obviously after that we'll we'll see what, how it goes moving forward i don't think anyone i'm not going to sit here and defend baker mayfield no, i don't think anyone is going to defend baker mayfield but i will also say that i don't think that this is entirely baker mayfield i think that that we are again looking at a very injured uh hampered and you know off, kind of off rhythm version of baker mayfield that really has been kind of you know degrading as the season has gone on as mm-hmm. as i think you know all of us have been saying like we are we're afraid of this that at some point this shoulder injury is going to catch up to him even though it doesn't uh you know it's not his throwing shoulder we all were like I, i'm pretty sure even uh the announcers were talking about how you know he he whips his shoulder around he's a very like the way he throws is very integral with his left shoulder so the fact that it's in a sling it's gonna mess him up and really it all just kind of came to fruition in that game and yeah uh, I mean, I like I was saying earlier, I, I can put all the blame on Baker Mayfield, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to give up on him completely because, look, he's under center right now. He's going to be under center mm-hmm. for the rest of the season, and he's probably going to be under center next year. So I don't really understand the the, the reason for people to think that we're going to somehow replace him for these last two games as if that's a logical thing to do. No, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and another thing is, like, Baker is a lot of – he plays with a lot of, like, okay, I had to have confidence in who's with me, you know? He's been like that his entire life. Like that offensive line he has right now is house money other than your guard. And he, even Nick Harris, I mean, he, I, in my opinion, I think Nick Harris had a pretty decent game. You know, I'm not looking at PFF grades or anything, but I think Nick Harris had a pretty decent game, but you have your two guards and then you're playing with house money at tackles. You don't have Wills and you don't have uh, Jack Conklin. You don't have hunt. Mm. You don't, you don't have a number one wide receiver. And, I'm not even saying, oh, Baker, you know, that's that, that that's why Baker's playing bad. No, it's not. Baker is injured. He's has a whole what list of things. Confidence is probably shot right now this year. But I'm saying Stefanski is like, what what do I do with this offense right now? That that's where I'm sitting at. I'm really sitting at Stefanski is like, I can't run my offense. You know, I can't but as a play caller, like Tyler said to me, you know, privately, is you have to work around the strengths of your team right now. Mm-hmm. But where is our strength other than Nick Chubb on our offense? Well, that's I, kind of, that's there, kind of there the really thing. is none. There really is none. I'm going to ride with Baker because I wrote with Deshaun Kaiser and I wrote with Seneca Wallace. So I'm going to ride with Baker. But really, where is our strength on offense? Yeah. And where I'm at with Baker, too, you're, you can't defend his play. There's no way around it. Where there are a couple on his interceptions that should have been holding calls, you could easily make that argument, especially oh, yeah, sure. the one um, to win the game. But other than that, he really didn't play well. And I. I've seen people talk about this. Jake Burns specifically film breakdown for the OBR. Baker is still able to make throws where it looks like he's completely healthy. Yes, he is able to still make some of those throws, but the harness is clearly an issue. Sometimes he can still do what he wants to do. It's obviously bothering him. Like Mm -hmm. personally for me, I almost rather him not play with the harness at all. Like, because do you risk another injury to the shoulder? You do. But at this point, dude, like, we needed you to let it fly. And it looked like yeah. when he had that sleeve on his shoulder, at least in LA, he was still able to do that. If the humerus bone is healed, which I believe it is, man, get that thing off and let's go back to the other one because mm. he's clearly hampered by it. But this is a combination of many things. And I've talked about it on Twitter and um, with conversations I have with people privately, just friends of mine. Right now, this isn't just a Baker issue. This is not just a Kevin Stefanski issue. It's not just a wide receiver issue. It is everybody. It is everybody. We can't just sit here and blame Baker. He has not had a good year. There's no way around it. 
the injury is clearly affecting him. And people, again, still say it's an excuse at this point. It's not. It's not. But Kevin Stefanski deserves some blame here, too. You can't run 11 personnel when, quite honestly, the strength of your team right now is at the tight end position. You need to be running 12 and 13 personnel almost half the game. Okay, Mm -hmm. you have to adjust your scheme to the talent around you. McVay does it. Matt LaFleur does it. All these good coaches. Bill Belichick, the greatest coach probably all time, does it all the time. Has Josh McDaniels do it all the time. You have to do that to the players you have. Baker's beat up. If you believe in Baker Mayfield, which they do, and they've backed him more than enough times, and they believe he's better than Keenum and Nick Mullins as he is injured, then you have to design the offense to play around the strengths that he currently has. You have to do that. If you don't I'm do sorry, that, but my, in my in opinion, situation we're in. Exactly. And my opinion is Baker should not be going out there and throwing the ball over 30 times a game right now. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Thank you. I appreciate that. But <laughs> Baker, should not, Baker should not be going out there and throwing the ball over 30 times right now. He should be throwing the ball maybe. I'm sorry, but like go back to the Jimmy G's days in San Francisco when the dude was throwing the ball 14 times and they went to a damn Super Bowl. Like it, you gotta, you gotta play to your strengths. I know we're missing hunt. That's huge. Give Nick Chubb the ball. I don't care how many times you have to do it and then let Baker throw it when he needs to throw it. Like he can make the plays when he needs to make the plays right now, but he's injured and the game should not be falling on his shoulders right now. I truly believe that that's a big mistake. The fans he's doing, he's going out there and he's saying, let's run out of the gun. They know we're going to pass it and let, let Baker just take control of this game. And it's just not going to happen this year. It's you're not going to see it the rest of the season. Yeah, no. and, and it's not his fault either. That That's the no, thing, no. too. I get people want to blame, but, like, dude, you're playing with one arm, basically. Yeah. yeah. And Russell I mean, Wilson can't play with one finger. Yeah, he's missing I, one finger, and he's going four and, and eight, dude. I'm sorry, but. And, I mean, th- this has been a kind of a pattern that we've seen all season is that when Baker has to throw a lot, we don't, like, the offense gets slowed down, like, and when, when Nick Chubb runs a lot. I mean, Nick, how many runs did Nick Chubb have last game? Like, 15 17 he almost had yeah, like 200 he, rushing yeah, he, yards he, though yeah, yeah and he had like 227 and a touchdown yeah i mean the guy was absolutely unstoppable and i mean it just seems so strange to me that they were taking him out of the game for for whole like like four downs in a row it was just so weird to me because it's like guys why are we purposefully hampering our ability to win games like we all know that when baker throws too many times that's not a good sign for our offense that, I mean, I'm pretty sure if you even look at the statistics, I mean, uh, when Baker throws like 30 times, we have like a, we're below 500 in those games. That's not to say that Baker shouldn't be throwing if he's hot, but you shouldn't be forcing him to throw. You shouldn't be just, just calling him nothing but, but uh, passing plays when he's already thrown three interceptions. I get wanting to keep his confidence up or wanting to, you know, keep him in a rhythm or anything like that. But I mean, my God, Nick Chubb was just absolutely demolishing the, the Green Bay Packers and they just seemingly wanted to only utilize him near midfield. But it was so strange to me. And uh, honestly, I, I just don't know why we would. Kevin Stefanski talks all the time about how, yes. Nick Chubb is our best player. He's the guy that we kind of designed the whole offense around. And yet they only run him 17 times. It just doesn't make any sense. I do agree with that, Jack. I also will say there were a lot of scenarios. I don't know how much you guys saw it. Nick Chubb was taking him out, though, a lot himself out a lot, though, too. Yeah. I mean, he also had three catches for 58 yards. Like, you have to wonder if that's part of it. If, like, because Nick Chubb was on the COVID list for about a week and a half. I mean, Mm -hmm. you wonder if maybe that plays into it. I mean, Miles Garrett was affected bit by it last year. I mean, at this time. So I'm just, I'm saying, I'm wondering if that is part of it because to no, me, that kind of seems I, like I, it I, is. 
I believe it was Jake Burns that said that too, that Nick Chubb takes Nick Chubb out of games. Like, and he really does. And it's, a, I think, a mixture of things that he was trying to point at. Like, not even, like, it could be that, like COVID, like you said. But I think it's, dude, he's a workhorse. Like, he's going to go out there and play every single down he can. But, I mean, he's a human being, man. You, you need a break. Like, missing Hunt, in my opinion, and I know you said it earlier to me, Tyler, it's, it's a huge part of this offense lacking right now, too. That is a mm-hmm. huge piece in a Kevin's fancy offense as a player like Kareem Hunt. So it's just, it's definitely, there's a lot that plays into it more than just Baker Mayfield, more than Stefanski, more than, you know, it's, it's so much that plays into it this year. I think this question too by OCU underscore doctor underscore J, why do we pass on third or fourth and three yards to go instead of give Chubb the ball? It's frustrating. It, it, it is frustrating at the same time. If, if you're too, so, you don't want to be, yeah, you don't want to be line. predictable. Yeah. So like I I I I get it, and that's it, it is frustrating. And there are a lot of people, and I've been I've said this too a lot of times. I want to give Nick Chubb the ball as much as possible. At the same time, eventually, what they're going to do is they're going to do what Baltimore does, and they're going to put everybody on the line of scrimmage, and then you're in trouble because they're they're going to force you to make plays down the field in the passing game. You have to somewhat keep it off balance a little bit because if you don't do that. It, it's just not a good recipe. You have to find a well, good balance. That's, but right but now, we that, don't have that, a that is a good point, though. That is a good point, though. Like, yeah, why do we pass the ball? But my point is, why do we pass the ball out of the gun on third and four? That's the part or I don't Third and three. Why, why don't we then go to 12 or 13 personnel and then make them load the box and then play action pass to your tight ends who you trust in the most? That's when it's like, okay, it's the fancy. It's, it's keep it simple, dude. Instead, he wants to, it looks like a Freddie Kitchens offense this year. It really does with Baker just strictly playing out of the gun and you're making him put the game on his one shoulder that he has. It's just, it's insane to me, man. It really is. Yeah. And that's Jack. I want your thoughts on this too. How much do you believe Stefanski is really, I'm trying to think of how to word this really changing his offense and scheming it up to the personnel he has, because I I saw an article on this today by Doug Farrar who covers the NFL for USA Today. He has me blocked on Twitter, but I was still able – other people shared it. I was able to I – I don't know why – to be honest, I don't know why he asked me blocked. I don't think Dude, I, I got blocked by like three people yesterday, man. I feel <laughs> but, but anyway, he talked about the fact that Kevin Stefanski is running a lot of 11 personnel, and the Browns don't have the personnel to do that. Donovan Peoples-Jones is decent. Jarvis is decent. But you don't have two receivers that can constantly create separation, so it's hurting you in the passing game automatically. So do you agree with this point? Is Kevin Stefanski lacking the creativity in the offense as far as he's not, he needs to stick with more 12 and 13 personnel because right now that's where the strength of his team is. Because it looks like to me, he's not adapting to the strengths of the team. How do you feel about that? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. And I, and honestly, I wouldn't even blame him because if you really think about it, I mean, he, he planned all off season to run a specific offense and all throughout the off season, they, played through this particular offense. I mean, even in the first game of the season and the second game of the season, they were playing through this offense where they were playing a lot of 13 personnel and they, they had their three tight end sets out there and they had a lot of success. And then after like week five, when Baker's shoulder injury got really, really bad, we started to see really heavy regression in our ability to, to make big plays. Uh, and especially when, uh, you know, Jarvis went out and then we, then Odell, we ended up, you know, releasing Odell, you know, our ability to find open receivers got worse. So opposing defenses started to play probably closer to the line of scrimmage, started to really cluster uh, around, you know, five, 10 yards deep, make it harder for our 
uh, receivers to really do anything. So if anything, I'd say that he's trying to adapt it. But the thing is, is that adapting uh, a, an offense that in many ways had players like Odell Beckham Jr. and uh, had Kareem Hunt in it, losing Baker's ability to throw the ball down the field. I think that really just impacts so much of the, like we already talked about the impact of that, but I mean, just think about how hard it must be to convert your, your big play offense with a, with a really good running game into a short range offense with a kind of wishy-washy running game. Cause your offensive line is hurt. And also your second running back is, is, it is not in the game. Like it's, it, I don't blame him for being really inconsistent and not really knowing what he's supposed to do, because I mean, this is such a huge shift from what he expected at the beginning of the season. I mean, that is true at the same time, though. You have to – a good coach or play caller, they have to change based off what they what they have. And when you see your quarterbacks beating up like that, Baker last year was able to throw these guys open. Like, the reason it yeah. didn't necessarily matter who was a receiver is because Baker, it didn't matter who was that receiver. He was playing very well. I mean, when OBJ went down, he was statistically a top-five quarterback. You can go mm-hmm. and find find the data. He was. That's because of him. Not because of the talent at receiver, but Stefanski was able to use that because Baker was playing well. Baker's injured. It's clearly affecting him down the field more. You have to adjust that scheme to more 12 and 13 personnel because right now that's what's working. And you have more talent at tight end than you do at wide receiver. And to go off of that talent at wide receiver, something that's pretty disturbing. And I want to give credit to um, CD Moore on Twitter tweeted the Browns PFF wide receiver grades. DPJ's at 77th. Hig- um, Jarvis Landry's at 80. Anthony Schwartz is at 104. Rashard Higgins is at 113. No other NFL wide receiver group has a top grade receiver lower than 58. That's a problem. And Kevin Stefanski, and seriously, I love Stefanski. And I like it's been a tough year for everyone. There's no doubt about that. Mm, yeah. But when you know your receivers are struggling and they clearly can't create that separation right now, which it's true unless he schemes it up perfectly, you have to adjust your overall philosophy and what you're doing. You have to do that. And he's just, he's not doing that. That's hurting Baker and that's hurting this entire offense. Yeah. And I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I have the answers to what you should do to scheme it, but start with 12 and 13 personnel. Don't go to 11 and don't have a a number one wide receiver on your team. Like, I know we all made tweets about it. Like, oh, DPJ is going to be their next wide receiver one. That's because that was the reality at the time. DPJ is now our wide receiver one. Next year, DPJ is probably our wide receiver three. My best guess. He's going to be a big yeah. body, a nice target once in a while. But, dude, you got to go 12, 13 personnel, Hooper, Bryant, Najoku. Make them load the box. Think we're going to give it to Chubb three times out of four on, on our downs. Play actions. Boom. You have your targets right there. Hooper, Bryant, Najoku. Yeah. Short, because- be, beat them in the short game because that's all we have right now. Baker's not going to beat them with those deep shots right now. It's just not going to happen. And then you can even utilize – Jarvis off of that. Jarvis is great in 10 to 15 yard pass plays. Yeah. And that's what we have to do. And there's even scenarios, man, where you can take that deep shot though. I mean, Baker has shown regardless of the injury, he's still pretty accurate when it's short, short passes. Mm-hmm. And right now I think that's what we got to get to. We got to get back to that. If you want to go the 13 person or the 12, and you can still have DPJ out there, Jarvis out there, but you can't keep running three and four of these guys out at the same time. It's, it's just, it's not working. And, and, I, and I think DPJ, huh? Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say I think DPJ does have the talent to be a number two receiver <laughs> at, at best. But right now you're asking him to be a one. 
He's only yeah. about 21, 22 years old. He's a six-round pick out of Michigan. There's a reason he's a six-round pick. Some of these guys take a little while to develop, and you're mm-hmm. throwing him in there as your wide receiver one, and, and it's, he's not ready yet. He's not ready yeah. for that role. It might never be a wide receiver one. It doesn't mean he won't be a solid NFL pro as a wide receiver two or three. But right now, he can't create that separation. It's a problem. It, I mean, he got held the other day a couple times, but you got to create that separation to where that's not a problem. And the great mm-hmm. NFL receivers do that. And another thing that I'm just wondering that we're missing, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's still there, but those play-action bootlegs where you move the pocket and Baker has all that open space to see in front of him, like where's that gone to? All those plays have just gone out the window. It looks like we're just putting Baker in a shotgun in a, in a pocket that's just collapsing on him, and now he just wants to tuck and run. He's scared to get hit. He doesn't want to get hit on that shoulder anymore. Oh, you- these aren't just ex- These aren't just excuses for Baker. I'm not trying to just make excuses, mm-hmm. but you have to play to your quarterback's strengths and his uh, in this scenario his weaknesses you have to mm-hmm. yeah exactly you absolutely have to do that now i was gonna as soon as you mentioned that in the pocket i wanted to add on that when you see him throw his mechanics look really bad especially his feet he mm-hmm. is not he is not confident right now whatsoever and that's just not because of the turnovers he doesn't want to get hit like, no, like not he at is all. seriously scared Which, to i mean stand would in any of us and make a yeah. throw would any of us want to get hit with a torn labrum right now no, how would I get hit in general? What do you mean? <laughs> I, wouldn't even, like, I wouldn't even want to go to work, man. I like, wouldn't even want to go to work. <laughs> I don't think the but, torn label makes it makes you it makes it, it like oh that much worse. Like, no, nah, I don't want to get sacked. These guys are freaking monsters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially to him, but I mean, you can tell though, it, it's clearly an issue right now. I mean, he's there was a play, and I remember it from when Jake Burns was showing it on his film breakdown. Baker on the th- on the the absolute seam he had to Rashard Higgins was probably his best throw of the night is like when he was able to twerk his body or whatnot. When he dropped back, he immediately moved to his left. Like he yeah. didn't even drop straight back. He went to his left. He there's He's clearly off right now. And it's it, I'm not like laughing is like, oh, ha, ha. No, it, it stinks to see like because we're not going to see the Baker, I believe we, we know until next year, right? Just, I mean, due to the injury. That's just how I see it right now. It's really unfortunate, but he doesn't trust his offensive line, and I can understand that. He doesn't, in my opinion, trust his receivers. It's just overall a mess right now on offense. There's no other way to put it. I'd be the first to tell you I played like So, Of course, before we uh, finish up with the offense, I wanted to read out some grades here. Nick Chubb with a 90.1. Andy Janovich for the six snaps he was on the field at 85.1. Joel Petonio at left tackle at 82.6. Really solid. Anthony Schwartz only had 11 snaps, was an 81.1, and shout out to him getting his first career NFL touchdown at Lambeau Field. Dearness Johnson, a 75.5. Austin Hooper, a 75. Harrison Bryant, a 70.5. And something else that's telling, just looking at this, Harrison Bryant was only on the field for 19 snaps. So they were not running much 13 personnel at all. Mm -hmm. And Nick Harris, you talked about him earlier, Zach, and I was impressed with him too. He graded out as a 70. Very solid for his first star of the year, and maybe his yeah. only star of the year. Um, he'll probably be our starting center next year, though. So, good, good chance of that for sure. And but before, like we do every week, guys, before we wrap up and um, preview the Browns and Steelers on Monday Night Football, who is your window of opportunity from last week? Presented by Jack Scott over at Mobile Anderson. I'm gonna go Nick Chubb, man. Nick Chubb, <laughs> he came out. What is that funny, Jack? You want no, me to say Baker? No, 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 no. I'm not gonna no, say. No. I'm not gonna say Baker. I'm going to go Nick Chubb, man. He he was literally our offense. 
And I wish that last drive we utilized him more. I mean, the dude's just a workhorse. I know, like you guys said, he takes himself out of plays, whatever, but everyone needs a break. I love Nick Chubb, dude. I hope next the next next two weeks we see a lot more of him. More than 17 carries, even. So Yeah. And and Jack, uh, who is your window of opportunity player of the week? Uh, I'm gonna go for uh for our good boy Joel Batonio, man. I mean, he he is he is actually he just for some reason he performs so well even at left tackle. I know that he said that he didn't want to do left tackle anymore because obviously he kind of gotten adjusted to to being a left guard. But I mean, my God, he is just he's really just becoming like a rock over there without Jedrick Wills there and you know having to essentially you know help out Blake Hans or Michael Dunn whoever is is filling in at the left guard spot. I mean, he's just he's a rock and I, he's just doing so well. Uh, he's, he's so impactful, you know, protecting Baker on that side. And uh, I mean, I don't see how, uh, how anyone could ever really, I mean, this it's kind of bad because it kind of makes Jed Wills like, why do like where, what's his role on this team? Yeah, What's, this what's going on with you? Man? <laughs> Question mark moving forward. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Well, and- I, I've heard a lot of things to Tyler before you go on. Like a mm-hmm. lot of people are wondering if this keeps up. I mean, obviously we could find another left tackle. And if Conklin's not here next year, you move Jed Wills back to right tackle where he's more comfortable. That's where he played in Alabama because that was to his blind spot, mm-hmm. but he got comfortable just playing right tackle. So do you move Jed Wills back to right tackle and maybe ask Petonio to move the left tackle? That's yeah. I, I saw a lot of that. So it, 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 it's a possibility. I will say you're probably not going to be able to convince Petonio to do that. Let, let alone yeah. him wanting to do that unless you give him a raise because then you have to pay him as a, left you already tackle. got his raise. Come on. No, but that his. was as a guard. <laughs> He'd no, be I know. the 18th highest paid left tackle. Jeez, yeah, yeah. That's so, the good way to look at it, man. That would be a problem. We need, we need gonna, Jack Duffin. We need Jack Duffin to talk about this. Right uh, yeah, we'll we'll have him in on the on the off season for sure to go over the whole cap situation with us. It's it's quite uh it's stressful trying to figure it out, but that's why he does all that so we don't have to do it. And yeah, I'm exactly. going to bring in the producer uh, Peter Peter Nab here to give his take on his window of opportunity player of the week. Pete, who do you have? The Browns on the offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball. A lot of worthy candidates pretty much outside of the quarterback. Uh, so who would you give the window of opportunity player of the week? I'd have to say I'd have to say Nick Chubb. I mean, I think that running game for the running game for the Browns really just, you know, uh, really really has carried the load the last the last few weeks, you know, and mm-hmm. and I mean we we saw that um I mean, we, we, we definitely saw that in the game where the Browns, you know, didn't have many players at all in the, in, in, in the Monday night game. And then, we, you know, we saw that against the Packers as well, obviously. I mean, the, the, the offense, you know, uh, played pretty well. They, 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 they moved, they moved the ball reasonably well, obviously the, obviously the four picks kind of stalled all that, but I would, but I would go with Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb has done more than carry his load for the Browns. So I would go with Nick Chubb. I, I know that for me, it's, it's going to be MJ Stewart. I just feel like everything he's done for this Browns defense, it, it's just, he's been so clutch for this team. I mean, you came up in a scenario where you had to put him pretty much anywhere and mm-hmm. it, it, you had, you had to put him anywhere. And it was one of those things where he was, playing in the slot. He was playing at safety. He was able to come up and make tackles. He was everywhere on the field. And I think that was just huge for this Brown defense. Like I said, grading out at an 81.2. I mean, that was huge. He's a guy who I think you can have here possibly for the long term. It's Like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how Andrew Barry handles this in the offseason just because what are they going to do with Ronnie Harrison? Are they going to draft the safety? Maybe sign another one in free agency. 
So there are a lot of question marks, but I think MJ Stewart is a very big, bright spot to this defense. There's no doubt about that. Resiliency. We need it. That's what the NFL is, guys. It's never easy, okay? It never is, all right? It's hard. And when it's hard, what do we say when it's hard? Good. 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 It's hard. That's what we want. We got a chance because this is a good football team in here, okay? I appreciate how this team fights. Fight, scratch, and claw for every single inch. And when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I got a million we are moving on uh the browns are taking on the pittsburgh steelers in pittsburgh heinz field Monday night football, it's going to be quite a game. There's no doubt about that. So, yeah, there's no way to put it. The Browns' season is on the line. And uh, first I want to talk about, uh, real quick, just the scenario for the Browns. They could go into Monday night with a win against Pittsburgh, playing for an all-or-nothing game. Sunday, It's supposed to be Sunday. It could get moved around against Cincinnati for a chance to win the AFC North. What needs to happen? I know, we guys, we have all talked about this. The Browns need the Rams to beat the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. That's going to be a 1 o'clock kickoff. And we need the Chiefs to beat the Bengals. The Bengals. Now, there's a scenario here. The Rams, if they lose to Baltimore, there's still a scenario the Browns can still win the division. But the game the Browns for sure need lost. They need the Chiefs to beat the Bengals. If the Chiefs don't beat the Bengals, that's it. The Browns are eliminated. The Bengals win the AFC North. So. Going into Monday night, it's in Pittsburgh. It's at Heinz Field. Just your overall impressions. I mean, it's going to be a tough game, Zach. There's no doubt about that. You're going into Heinz Field, possibly Ben Roethlisberger's last game as a Pittsburgh Steeler. What are you expecting Monday night? I, I mean, I'm going to be as nervous as can be, especially if uh, yeah. the Bengals and Ravens both lose on Sunday. I'm hoping for last year's wild card game, kind of, you know. But mm-hmm. I don't know, man. This is gun. This is one of those games like Big Ben. I'm not even gonna lie to you. The last few weeks hasn't really looked terrible at all. He's kind of came out and he's been slinging the ball. So I'm hoping our defense can just keep up the momentum. If our defense can play like they did against Aaron Rodgers, I don't think Big Ben's gonna put up even close to Aaron Rodgers numbers. So mm-hmm. what I'm looking for on offense though is for us to just run down their throat. I know it's not that type of defense where you can. I know they got a solid defense. But as long as you can key in on Watt, just run the ball down their throat, man. Hopefully, I'm not sure if we're getting Hunt back. I'm not sure what's going on with our offense right now. But, yeah, I just want us to run the ball down their throat. I know Baker's going to want to go out there and sling it. But I'm sorry. I don't really have confidence in Baker being able to take over any game right now. Like I was saying, it's going to be a tough game. Ben Roethlisberger's last game is a Pittsburgh Steeler. And you're going to have a full crowd on Monday night. The Browns didn't have that when they last time they went to Heinz Field for the playoff game. Look, this Pittsburgh Steelers team is one of the most strange teams that we've seen in a while. Their offense is putrid. Their defense is weird and doesn't really work that well. I mean, this is the game for us to go in there and beat them. Obviously, you know, we lost to them at home a couple weeks ago, and that was terrible. And honestly, that was almost unforgivable considering that they they beat us by five points in a 10 to 15, like, not even a slug fest. It was more like just a, a wet fart. But I mean, this this is a game that we have to win. We have to come out and we have to win this game 
no matter what. This is a playoff game. Every game from now on is a playoff game because if you lose one, you're basically done. It being Ben's last game in Pittsburgh, you'd love to you'd love to spoil that. Um, I mean, he hasn't been playing very well. Their offense has been really sluggish. Uh, we can take advantage of this defense. I mean, my God, the 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 Patrick Mahomes and the and the Chiefs without Travis Kelsey were able to just absolutely demolish them, and that's without Tyree Kill even having a, any like real impact on the game. I think that you know Zach really put it put it out there. This needs to be the Nick Chubb game. Nick Chubb needs to come out and just take control of this game early. We need to just set the tone. Uh, I mean, Big Ben does not have the arm strength or the accuracy that uh, that Aaron Rodgers does. So blitz him, bring pressure, make sure that he doesn't get it to guys like Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool, both yeah. of which are not as good at, as Devontae Adams, who you, you know, after the first half, basically shut down completely. I mean – even Najee Harris, they, their offensive line isn't good enough to block for him. So just, you know, you got to get in there and you got to make sure that they don't get any sort of momentum on the ground or through the air. And if you can do that, if you can do that, and if you can just limit Baker Mayfield from throwing too many passes, creating too many chances for him to, to, to turn the ball over and, you know, just make sure that he doesn't get sacked or injured. I think that this is a perfectly winnable game. I don't think I'm, I'm saying too much to say that the Browns should 100% win this game. Oh, they, I, th yeah, I think they 100% should win that. this game, but I'm not going to, I'm not saying like, you know, don't let Baker throw the ball as a knock on him still. I'm just trying to say like, like guys, this team needs to instill confidence in their QB these next two weeks. You need to be able to show like, okay, the pressure's not on you to take over this game. It can't no, be a I'm close saying. game. Yeah, yeah exactly. I know. To, I know. I'm not trying to say like, oh no, I don't want Baker Mayfield throwing the ball. I'm saying, mm -hmm. I don't want Baker Mayfield to be forced to throw the ball into bad situations that, mm -hmm you know, create opportunities for, for the Pittsburgh defense to, to make a play. Like that, I do not, I, I, do, yeah. I do not want to see Joe Hayden pick off Baker Mayfield. And oh, that's, just, that's all God. I'm saying. That's Please all I'm saying. That'd be, that'd be a nightmare, dude. Yeah, that would be absolutely brutal. Going into Heinz field Monday night. It, it's going to be, it's going to be quite an atmosphere there. Of course, the Browns went in it, during the playoffs last year, they went in one. There wasn't much of a crowd there, if any. This is going to be quite a challenge for, for everybody involved. And I want to hit on the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> offensive players, really just go over some of the grades for some of their stars. Ben Roethlisberger's at a 59.6 for the year. Uh, Deontay Johnson, who I think, and this isn't just because, I mean, I'm going to compliment him even though he's a Steeler. He is probably one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. He is He's only graded at 77.5. I think that's just because um, really overall the Steelers offense isn't that good. But Deontay Johnson, statistic, like stat-wise, is a top-10 receiver. So I think he doesn't get the credit really he deserves. Chase Claypool's at a 68.2. Najee Harris is at a 68.8. And the offensive line really speaks for itself. Uh, if Pat Fryermuth is out again with the concussion, um, as he was against Kansas City, he's a 71.2 grade. He's been getting the ball, and he's the reason the Browns lost um, in Cleveland, of course, with the game-winning touchdown there. So – really those are the main guys for the offense, but Jack, who worries you on that P Pittsburgh offense for me? It's, I think it starts and ends with Najee Harris, but what are your thoughts on their offense? Yeah. Najee is definitely a, a threat just because of his, his use in the passing game. He's, he's a passing option. He's a running option. And you especially don't want him to get, you know, any big hitters early, you know, in terms of the running game. Um, but to me, it's going to be Deontay Johnson. He is Big Ben's safety blanket, his security blanket. He's his number one target. He's the guy he goes to like, and he, I mean, really Deontay Johnson really in a lot of ways bails out Big Ben 
uh, in terms of, you know, getting open or just catching passes that are underthrown or just not very accurate. So, I mean, I just think you want to get rid of someone like Deontay Johnson. You want to force him to have to throw it underneath to, to, to people like Najee Harris or to even just to chase Claypool or other guys, Wei Wei McLeod, who maybe he doesn't have a, you know, a lot of trust with, or in a lot of situations, these guys are behind the line of scrimmage or very, you know, one yard past the line of scrimmage when he gets these, when they get these receptions, give us chances to to shut them down, get some tackles for loss. Uh, I mean, Deontay Johnson is really like the big vertical threat for this Pittsburgh Steelers offense. And he's the guy that I'm the most worried about, even though Najee Harris is obviously, you know, a workhorse. Najee Harris worries me, but at the same point, he didn't really do too much the last time we faced him. I really think as long as our defense starts to come back slowly, like it has been, like we got Clowney coming back, that takes pressure off of Miles. <clears throat> this, this this could be one of those games where you see Joe Woods just literally attack Big Ben and just rattle the guy, man. He's he's old. He can't move. Like you got to get him down, sack him, get to him. JOK, you utilize him as much as possible. Blitz your safeties. It's it's gonna be one of those games where. You know, as long as Greg Newsom comes back too, you have Denzel Ward. I don't. I don't think we have a problem shutting down this offense. Really, I really don't. Who's Who's the guy on the offensive side of the ball that does worry you a little bit? For me, it still is Najee because he wore down that Browns defense in that second half, and it was pr- it was pretty clear to see because he had 26 carries, only 91 yards and a, and a touchdown, 3.5 a carry, but he was wearing down that defense in the second half. So, who really worries you on the offensive side of the ball for the Steelers? It's it probably is just Najee Harris, Najee Harris or Deontay Johnson, like Jack said. I mean, other than I mean Chase Claypool, like he can still make plays and he can still really shut you up. But he's just one of those guys that I'm just not really intimidated by. I'm more worried about him celebrating when they're down thirty. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm being, exactly. being honest, dude. I'm just being honest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, this game, the huge addition to this game will be. Jeremiah Owusu Kormoa, who did not play in that first matchup. This is a guy who will be all over the football field. Pittsburgh didn't have to game plan for him the first time around as he was battling an ankle injury at the time. But it looks like we're going to knock on some wood here. It looks like he is going to be available to play and looking forward to making an impact. I think he's a guy that you could possibly spy on Najee Harris and take him out, especially in that passing game a little bit. Yes. But We've talked about Big Ben and sending the pressure after him. I've noticed Big Ben this year when I've watched the Steelers play. I'm sure you guys have seen it too. If he sees pressure, that man's going down. Like, like mm-hmm. he's not even he, – half the time he's really not even trying to make a play. If he sees that pressure, dude, he, he, he's not the old Big Ben that we're accustomed to. Like it takes a lot of guys to tackle him. He can scramble. Yeah. Sometimes he can. Most of the time he's going to the ground to avoid any type of injury or whatever it is. So I think you're right, Zach. If you can get the pressure after him, it's going to come down to miles, but getting Clowney back will be huge here. Mm-hmm. I think this is definitely a winnable game for the Browns. Yeah. And they are going to get Jadavian Clowney back off the COVID. The Browns offense, we talked about it before. So you guys are giving a heavy dose of Chubb. How more outside of just the run, how are you attacking this Pittsburgh defense? That is normally the strength of their defense is the run game. So how are you attacking? How do you go about attacking that defense? I, I just truly think like you just got to, I don't care if their strength is stopping the run, make them stop the run, like tire them out, tire out this defense, run the ball down their throat. And then I just want to see us bring back 12, 13 personnel and play action bootlegs. Like, I don't know what it is about this offense that's lacking it this year, but I don't want to see us go out of the gun against this team. This is still, they still have a great secondary in my opinion. Mika Fitzpatrick, Joe Hayden, they're still playmakers on that defense. So, 
Yeah, I don't know. I want to see us just run the ball down their throat, tire them out, and then a lot of play action passes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want I want to see them get the tight ends involved early as well. Um, I mean, I I think that we all can agree that that there are there are plays like like the the tight end screens. Those things are just so like good at getting guys involved, getting a quick, easy eight, nine, 10 yards, uh, you know, just, just putting, making it so that they have to respect the pass early, you know, make it so they can't load the box, like in, just from the gun, which I think that a lot of people are expecting them to do since it worked very well the last time that they played us. Uh, and I mean, obviously that was against an injured Nick Chubb. So I don't know if it's entirely indicative of how this is going to work anyways, but Again, just we we need to get some quick some quick throws out to our tight ends. Maybe get Jarvis involved over the middle. Just just get get do something. We got to do something to make sure that they cannot just load the box and take Nick Chubb out of the game. Because if they take Nick Chubb out of the game, it's going to be a really long day for for yeah. the Browns' offense. Yeah, there's there's no other way to put it. We did get some good news uh, the other day, of course, as the Browns activated eight players off the COVID list. Davian Clowning, so it looks like he'll be back. Uh, Drew Forbes. Ronnie Harrison, Troy Hill, Kareem Hunt, Malik McDowell, Jed Wills, and Mac Wilson. So the Browns could be a Kareem lot Hunt. healthier come Monday night. And I think – I look at this as kind of a blessing in disguise being on the COVID list for some of these guys. Like, for instance, Clowney. He's, bat- he's battled injuries all year. Mm-hmm. Having a week off, like an additional bye week, isn't necessarily <laughs> the worst thing in some, some of these cases. Like, you're mm-hmm. fresh at this point, and you're good to go for the stretch run. Troy Hill, we don't know about his health right now. We'll get an update hopefully tomorrow on the injury report. Same with Kareem Hunt. We're not sure if he'll be back this week. That So if you can get Kareem Hunt back, it's huge for the Browns. Malik McDowell looks like he'll be back. Jed Wills will be back. And Mac Wilson. So we're starting to get reinforcements at the right time. And even Greg Newsom talked about that he'll, he'll be back, it looks like. Yeah. Huge for the Browns. He thought he was night. supposed to be back for the Christmas game even. So I'm sure he'll, you know, he'll be ready to go for Monday night. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I want to give – let, let, let's go around. Let's each give one X factor for Monday night for for each team here. Who's the guy that like we really need to be careful of Monday night on Pittsburgh, and who's the guy for the Browns that you think really needs to step up for the Browns? I think needs to step up is Jed Wills if he plays. I mean, he's probably going to play, but I think Jed Wills needs to step up tremendously. And honestly, whoever's at right tackle too, because that's where Watt likes to line up. So whoever's at the tackle position, protect your quarterback. For the Steelers, I think. Najee Harris is going to be their guy. This is going to be their X factor. So simple as that, man. It's not going to be Big Ben. Their wide receivers are going to make plays when he gets the ball in their hands. But I really think Najee Harris, that one guy, you just got to shut down and their offense is going to be slow from there on out. Mm -hmm. Jack, your X factors for Monday night. Yeah, the Steelers X factor. I, I'm still just gonna say it's gonna just be Deontay Johnson. He is kind of like the he he's just their 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 primary target in the pass game. I think yeah. that he's gonna be the guy that is really gonna move that offense down the field like rapidly. Uh, Najee might get them down the field like in in chunks, but I think that Deontay is really like their big play guy. Uh, for the Browns, I think it's gonna be Jadeveon. I think Jadeveon has to come out and he has to make a big impact. Uh, I know I think he will make a big impact just because of how good he's been playing this season, but he needs to come out and he needs to really just, you know, either get some big tackles for loss or just get pressure on Big Ben and take him down. Because if we can just, you know, make give them to some second and long, third and long possessions, that that's how you get Pittsburgh off the field. That's how you keep your offense in rhythm. Hmm. Yeah, I love your guys' choices. Yeah, for me, on the Steelers side, I'm gonna say Chase Claypool. He is a he's a big body receiver. We don't have the biggest corners. I, I think he really poses a problem. 
he, I mean, gives himself a lot of problems too, just because he can't get out of his own way a lot of times. But he is a really good football player when they're able to give him the ball. They like to give him the ball in reverses. They like to send him deep. I mean, he is a guy, if they can get the ball in his hands, he's not the easiest guy to bring down either. Basically, to me, he's a tight end that can play wide receiver. (coughs) So I I think that's going to be a really tough matchup. But on the Brown side, getting Greg Newsom back is going to be huge. He's a guy who absolutely has to step up. Greedy Williams, we saw how much he struggled last week. Getting Greg Newsom back is going to help, especially on Claypool, Deontay Johnson. You have to find a way to contain these Steelers receivers. They're not necessarily having huge games. It's all going to depend on Big Ben. But if he can get them the ball, these are guys that can really create after the catch. And that's going to be a problem uh, for the Browns. But let's talk about Sunday. When we So when we go into Monday Night Football, Browns and Steelers, are the Browns going to have a chance, if they win that game, to win the division? Or are we already going to be eliminated before? The Browns are, are going to be in the playoffs this season. I, I, I just have a Ooh. feeling I I'm feeling confident, not only just in the fact that our team can, I think can beat the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Bengals, but I have faith that the, the chiefs are hitting their stride there. They are currently one of probably the best team in the league right now. They'll take down the, the Bengals for us. Hopefully, please God. Oh Lord. Uh, so I think that the Browns will be in the playoffs. I think they're going to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. You kidding me? Playoffs. My score prediction is going to be 27 to 14. Wow. Okay. Zach, Zach, what are your thoughts? Uh, it's not going to be as good as that, but okay. So I definitely think, so I was talking about this with my family too, because this is just a weird AFC playoff picture. The Chiefs are playing for that number one seed. They're not just going to go down, you know, I, they're not going to go down easy. So I really think the Chiefs are going to, you know, like Jack said, they're on the stride up. They got this. And who else? We're rooting for the Rams, correct? Uh, we're root, be, yeah rooting for yes. the Rams and the beat Chiefs. Baltimore. I yes. think we're gonna see OBJ help the Browns <laughs> get into the playoffs. Yeah, he's not gonna know he's doing it, but I think OBJ is gonna help the the Browns get into the playoffs. But my score prediction for the Browns game. Oh man, I'm gonna go 21 to 20 Browns. It's gonna be a close one. Okay. Okay. Well, so are you guys both saying? And again, we're still a week away um, here from potentially a division clinching game. Are you both saying as of right now, you think the Browns are going to win the division? Is that what you guys, as of right now, is that what you guys are saying? I, guess See, you know, saying. I think Baker Mayfield owns the Bengals, but I don't know. This is, this is a whole, I think that game's going to get flexed. I think it's going to be a prime time game. I don't know. I don't know, dude. I'm, I, I, I respect the Bengals. I put respect on the Bengals. Name. That's going to be a fun game to watch, but. I don't know. I don't want to speak that into it. You know, I don't want to say too much. Listen, Zach, you need to stop being flaky, okay? I'm not flaky, dude. I haven't been flaky all year, but this is one game where every time I'm saying, oh, the Browns are going to win. I said the Browns are going to win with Nick Mullins at quarterback against the Raiders. I mean, they okay? almost did. I'm not flaky. <laughs> yeah, we should have, actually. But no, I'm not flaky. <laughs> well, I'm just Joe Burrow just put up 530 yards on, you know. So, what's, the so what was your score prediction? 21 20. You think this is going to be a close game? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. I think we're going to go into Monday night. The Browns are going to have the op- – if they win, they're going to have an opportunity at the division. Because I, as of right now, the Ravens – we saw Lamar – I mean, saw Lamar at practice, dude. Is he, he even going to play? Ready. Is he even going to play? I don't play? know, man. I don't think he is. He looks bad. Like, it looks bad for him. Like, and you don't want him hurt because, I mean, I want everyone's best no. players in all mm-hmm. these situations. So, but Lamar doesn't look like he's good. They'll have Tyler Huntley back. The Rams are going on the road. 
for a one o'clock game, which is 10 o'clock their time. I mean, yeah, that game true. got moved up. That could be a little tough, but I think the Chiefs are going to take care of the Bengals. I really do. And the Browns are going to have an opportunity Monday night. They're going to have that opportunity to, with possibly the division on the line. Since his first Monday night football game, they are right now 15 and five on Monday night football. The Steelers do not lose Monday night football, especially at home. Well, you said five. So. Well, huh? I, well, but, I don't but, think but that what uh, I'm saying. What I'm saying over the last couple of years, they have not lost on Monday Night Football at home. This is not, not the same the Steelers team. At, 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 it's as not. Old. This, this no, is no. this is a much worse team. And just... I, they have a lot. I look, look, look. I I get it. I get it. But honestly, that I I I don't trust numbers like that because I feel like that's a lot of. Uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, it's like oh, yeah. it's like that's it's not fair. entirely. It's not entirely like based in. It's it's just you know. Suspect like people suspect. Oh well, you know if they were this good all the way back then, then they're going to be good now. I mean, it's a completely different situation, and I don't want to say it's just like an any given Sunday kind of thing. I just think it's like they are so beaten down and run down that it hope that hopefully that we can take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah, you, and I'm you definitely I'm, could. It's good. Before I give my prediction here, I'm going to bring in the producer Peter Nab to give his prediction. So Pete, the Browns are of course at Heinz Field Monday night. It's going to be. Everyone in the country is going to have a chance to watch it. The Browns, if the Ravens lose and the Bengals lose, the Browns have an opportunity with a win to play the Bengals next Sunday for the AFC North title. Are the Browns on Monday Night Football they're coming away with a win, or is the season over? I think I think the Browns are indeed coming away with a win. I I um you know I watched that Steelers game against uh can um, against Kansas City. That was against Kansas City, right? Where they got blown yeah. out. Yeah, they got um, destroyed in Kansas City. Yeah, so I'm not saying I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that the Browns are going to do to uh, Pittsburgh what Kansas City did to them, uh, because I I I don't think the Browns in their current state right now are as good as as good as Kansas City. But I think I think there's enough of a buffer there between you know a a thirty to three a thirty to three game or whatever it was thirty three to three or something. Uh, it was bad. Yeah, and and. And the Browns getting a win. So I'm I'm gonna say the Browns win this game, not a blowout, but win this game pretty comfortably by ten. I'm going like thirty to twenty. Man, I would abs- I would absolutely cry tears of joy if they could somehow pull that off. Because I know first and foremost, when was the last time the Browns scored thirty points? Whoa, come on now! I'm just uh, being honest. You got to be was, honest. No, it was a very long time ago. It was that hey, was a while ago. I that's gonna, why I don't think Bengals, they're gonna score thirty. Bengals. Oh yeah, yeah Bengals, a, but that was forty-five, right? 40 I mean, over right. our last ten games, we've averaged about fourteen points a game. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, so we need our defense to win games for us. That's all I'm saying, man. Like, we as do. Long as our and defense the, can play good games. Like we have a chance. We do, and they're going to. For me, I'm going to say right now, I think that the Ravens are going to lose to the Rams. The Bengals are going to lose to the Chiefs. Browns are going to have it all to play for on Monday night, and so is Pittsburgh because in that scenario, Pittsburgh also has a chance at the division. The Browns are going to go into Heinz Field. It's going to be a close game. I think Baker's going to make the throws when he needs to. He's going to have a week of practice under his belt. I think we really take into account how much. Excuses. But we're talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? I think we're taking into account just how big of a deal that really was. Not being It is the NFL. So against Green Bay, against the best team in the NFL, that is a pretty big deal. Yeah, so – 
I think he's going to play well. Nick Chubb's going to play well. But Stefanski's going to have to keep it balanced in this game because Pittsburgh saw what Baker did against Green Bay. And I have a feeling what they're going to do, they're going to really – you're going to have a lot of six, seven men in the box, maybe even eight guys in the box. And they're going to force him at times to throw it. And Baker's going to have to make the throws when it counts. He's going to do it. He's, he's going to show people these last couple games – that he's the franchise quarterback. As bad as the season's been, as much of an injury as he's had to deal with, he's going to show up when it matters, and he's going to win the game on Monday night for the Browns. The Browns are going to go into Heinz Field. They're going to beat the Steelers 21-17. to no. The defense is going to show up. It's going to be a really good performance. We're all going to be probably crying during all that game like and hunched over because we're not exactly sure what's yeah. going to happen. But that that's where we're at. And I think we're going to go into a Week 18 against Cincinnati. That's supposed to be a Sunday game. It's either going to be a Saturday game or it's going to be Sunday night football. And the Browns are going to have the opportunity to play for an AFC North title after everything this team has dealt with all season long. It's going to be fun, guys. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's, it's been a wild ride, and it's still not over yet. So, of course, the NFL scoreboard, we're going to make it real simple for you guys in this playoff push. It's very simple right now. Root for the Chiefs and root for the Rams. Root for OBJ to play really well for the first time yeah. since he's left Cleveland. Root for him to play really well against the Ravens because the Ravens have no corners. So let's go Rams. Let's go Chiefs. Let's and- go OBJ. <laughs> Can't believe I said those would ever say those words again. But <laughs> be sure, guys, to listen to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and give us that five-star review. Of course, the show is also available on iHeartRadio. And you can follow the show on all social media accounts. It's at the bottom of your screen there, at FD Podcast CLE on all platforms. That's on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and Instagram. And you can follow us all individually. I am at T underscore Johnson underscore TJ. Jack is at VLEF underscore and Zach DeFranco is at ZachNoah52. And, and if you Pete guys is need- just on Facebook. Just yes, shout out. Producer- <laughs> yeah, yeah, let me add that. The producer, Peter Nab does not have a Twitter. We've been asked about that. He is just on Facebook. He is at Peter Nab on Facebook. And remember, guys, if you need the best replacement windows, be sure to call Jack Scott today or over at Renewal by Anderson. They've been Ohio's window and patio door experts for over 117 years. Call Jack today for a free consultation at 440-226-6224. That's 440-226-6224. We're the Feeling Dangerous Podcast. We're wishing you guys all a happy happy and safe new year. Thank you for tuning in. Go Chiefs, go Rams, and go Browns. Music credits, the Benny Hill theme, James Rich. Audio courtesies, Fox Sports, WJW Cleveland. On to the next one by Jay-Z, copyright Carter Enterprises, 2009. And when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous.